entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from many more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. I have two special guests with me today. They are Bobby Stuckey and Ari Weinswig. I keep on mispronouncing Ari's last name. Say it the way it should be pronounced, Ari. Well, if we were saying it in <clears throat> Yiddish or German, we would say Weinswig, which is probably the proper way. But I don't, I've been on your show a lot, so clearly it's not bothering me at all. <laughs> it, it apparently hasn't. <laughs> so, so Bobby and Ari are with us today. We're going to talk about the restaurant in hospitality in- industry today. And I am going to do very abbreviated introductions for Bobby and Ari. And uh, I do want to mention that they have very long and distinguished careers in food and hospitality. But let me start this way. Bobby Stuckey is the co-founder of the Fresca Hospitality Group and the founder of the Independent Restaurant Coalition. And Let's see, Bobby is based in Boulder, Colorado. Ari is the CEO and co-founding partner of Zingerman's Community of Businesses. He is also a prolific writer, and he's the author of a number of books and articles, and Ari is based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, gentlemen, uh, we are here to talk about the restaurant and hospitality industry. There's an awful lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to start it this way. Ari, you sent me an article that uh, Bobby had written in a a guest commentary for the Denver Post. And, Robbie, here's what you wrote. In the restaurant industry, we're taught to be like a swan. Under the water, where no one can see, you paddle as fast as you can under the water. Above the surface, you are graceful and composed. Guests should not be privy to the hardships or stresses we face. Yet, Bobby, just a few paragraphs down, you say, yet, just a few paragraphs down, you say, it's time we are honest about the fate of the independent restaurant industry. You go on to say, the answer is, no, we are not fine. I guess this has something to do with COVID-19. So, Bobby, let's start with you. What's going on in the world of independent restaurants? Well, you know, we're we're at a point where, and first of all, uh, Marty, thank you for having me on, and uh, Ari, um, I've not enjoyed 2020, but I've enjoyed fighting for restaurants with you every day on the uh, on our Zoom calls. So, back, I mean, back at you. Our, since we didn't have ours this morning, we got to make up for it right now. Yep. Um, but um, you know, the state of independent restaurants is very intense. Uh, it doesn't matter what community you're in. Uh, when COVID happened, we were um, we were asked to close for uh, uh, community safety across the United States, and each community has a different playing field when they were asked to reopen. But most of us were asked to reopen in very um, 
and and I'm not against these standards, but the fact is we were asked to op- reopen in in conditions to help community that were impossible to do business in. You know, we're an industry with maybe an industry average in 2019 of a 6% profitability. Uh, 6% profitability is impossible to reach in this current current year after being closed for three months and then being reopened at sometimes 30, 25, or 50% in-room dining. So we just have a deck of cards that is just so much more brutal. I know lots of industries in the U.S. are struggling, but very few uh, have a have the uh, the equal struggles of the restaurant business. So yeah, Ari, Ari, why don't you jump in there and uh, kind of just add to that? I mean, again, the the in the world of independent restaurants, you guys have been chatting for months now, weeks and months. So add to what Bobby was saying, and then Bobby will let you uh, finish that whole thought. But Ari, add it, add something in there. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think, well, clearly what Bobby said is correct. Uh, none, none of this is said uh, as, a, as a complaint. It's just the reality of our world as we are currently experiencing it. But the Restaurants Act, which we'll get to, is an attempt to create positive support to get through the realities of this current crisis. Uh, the reality of the food business is it's not a high profit margin industry. I I love it. Bobby loves it. Uh, everybody who works in it for a long time, and at least in our end of the world, loves it. That's why we do it. But as Bobby said, 6% would be awesome. Many people are far less than that. Uh, and that's <clears throat> in a good year without a pandemic and, and everything else. So when the reality of operating at uh, 50%, 60%, 30% capacity is just, it, it, the numbers aren't going to add up. And uh, I know uh, from my end, I as, as an independent person who takes pride in being able to be self-supporting, I, the last thing I ever would want to do is ask for help. And yet at the same time, when I look around the country and look at history, because I'm a history major, uh, it's clear that the government has stepped in to support other industries to save jobs and save businesses including the auto industry here in Michigan, which made an enormous impact 10 years ago, uh, banking, uh, airlines, et cetera, et cetera. So this is an attempt to recognize the important role that restaurants play in the community. Uh, it's it's probably less of a headliner than if all the auto three big three auto companies were to close, but the reality is there's over half a million small independent restaurants all over the country that play play enormously positive and meaningful roles in their communities. And if that gets lost, I, I don't mean the towns are going to close the next day, but uh, as I've been saying, when people interview me <clears throat> here, you know, I, I certainly Ann Arbor will exist if Zingerman cease to exist tomorrow. The town will continue on a pace, but I think it would be hard for anybody after 38 years of our being here for people in Ann Arbor to say, that it wouldn't have a pretty significant impact on the quality of life, on job opportunities, on cultural connection. And it, it translates down. A, a story just happened uh, two weeks ago that I don't know if I can tell it without crying, but while we were working on this, I got an email from a woman who, uh, I don't know, she's probably in her early 30s. Uh, she grew up coming to our business. Her parents have lived here since 1983, so a year after we opened uh, she reached out from her home on the East Coast. Uh, she's been here with her husband and her kids for the last month because her mother's diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, 
and they wanted to do something to celebrate her mother's life while her mother's still alive. And they asked if the Roadhouse would come and cater something down the block. And that, that kind of connection to the community is the sort of uh, non-statistical but emotionally uh, essential part of the work that restaurants play. And that's really what's at stake in every town in the country. So, Bobby, before we went on the air here and we started to record, you and I were talking about the startup community in, in Boulder, uh, Colorado, Colorado, and uh, how important that is to that community. And I assume how important that is to your restaurants and uh, what you do in the hospitality industry. So talk to me about the regional impact uh, that's having in your marketplace. Well, the regional impact of the restaurant community is, you have to look at it when, when, when we're looking at the needs of restaurants or the needs of, of any of our restaurants is the collective piece. It's not just Frosca food and wine, not being able to make it. It's the concern of half of all restaurants in the U S what happens if they close. And that's when the numbers just get so, so startling and it dwarfs things like the automobile, automobile industry or the airline industry, like literally dwarfs it. And um, our industry makes up in every community in the U.S. a large part of the workforce. So if we go down and if we lost half of our restaurants, think of it like biology. Think of it as this cornerstone species that if it was brought out of the ecosystem, and in this case, the ecosystem is the U.S. economy, locally, state level, and nationally, things will cave in. And that wouldn't be any different here in Boulder than it would be in New York City. If you lose half the restaurants in in Boulder, all of a sudden the farmers are affected, the delivery guys who deliver your living are affected, the real estate brokers, the, the landlords, everyone goes down. So I'm looking at some statistics here that says, um, let's see, independent restaurants employ 11 million people across the country and support the livelihoods of over 5 million others through our vast supply chains. And that's, you started to talk about that, Bobby. So, so let's go deeper on that. Uh, Bobby, would stay with you for a second. So what do you mean by supply chains? Bakers, farmers, uh, Everything. distributors, talk to me about that. I mean, everything. Well, we can, look, we can look at the farmer base or agriculturally base. Look, the U.S. Amer- uh, the U.S. food distribution is not set up for us not to be at full tilt. You know, when we were all closed in March and April, we were euthanizing 5,000 pigs a day. We were turning crops over because even though grocery stores were up 40 or 39 percent, People do not eat the same things out of a grocery store as they do a restaurant. So mm-hmm. right there, the, the food supply chain is affected. If you look at uh, Main Street America, doesn't matter if you're in a town of 2,000 or a town of 12 million, um, restaurants anchor many real estate projects. If they are gone, it's not going to get backfilled by another restaurant right around the corner. These are capital-intensive businesses that don't necessarily have as big of um, profitability, but we employ so many people. Uh, Very rarely do you have an industry that 94 cents of every dollar made 
goes right back into the economy. Mm-hmm. So there, we are so interconnected to so many things. There will be people, if we don't get the Restaurants Act or a similar package passed, there will be people in February that don't even eat in restaurants and their lives will be adversely affected. And they're going to wake up and say, why didn't someone do something? Hmm. And, and we should be here to give leadership in Congress and Senate a 2020 vision of what's about to happen if they don't do something. Yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about that. I, I want to continue the dialogue, though, that the, the impact that all of this can have on all of us. And so much so, again, reading notes, um, that there's such an impact that it actually, the restaurants closing down and all the things connected to the restaurants and the hospitality industry, this actually can affect our GDP. Um so Ari, maybe you have some statistics, maybe you can address that for me, that this is so significant that it, it affects, it can affect, it will affect the GDP, GDP of America. Maybe talk to me about that. Well, I, I don't have the statistics, but Bobby probably does, but I, I, I'll just reiterate. I mean, this is everything from the guy who delivers the linens to the local farmers, to the fisher people, and I mean, for Bobby and I, we're buying a lot locally, but there's a ton of stuff shipped across the country. So this is product coming from all. It's not just the the vendors in the town where the restaurant is. So there's that whole piece of it. And then the other thing to consider is the the gross spiritual product, which is a really big uh, piece of our human existence and what it means for people in terms of this was their first job or to be mm-hmm. part of a positive community when somebody works for Frosca or somebody works for us or so many other organizations. I mean, you know, Marty, because you've interviewed me about our business practices. And there's people 30 years ago who worked here. I just got an email from one the other day who's who's using the stuff that he learned here in an engineering firm to basically reform that entire company. And it's stuff that he learned working at the deli. So I I think there's a spiritual standard of living. There's an economic standard of living. They both intertwine and this is a big piece of it. And as I said, I, I, you know, to Bobby's message about ecosystem, you know, I've been working a lot on the idea of businesses ecosystem. And it's a little bit like if you ripped a giant old oak tree out of a, out of an ecosystem, the rest of the plants will still be there the next day. But over a period of years, the birds lose a place to nest. Uh, the, the oxygen levels change. Uh, the photosynthesis changes. The animals change. The soil is uprooted. I mean, there's all of these impacts that start to flow out over the coming months and years. And as Bobby said, I mean, we have a chance with this act to do something now, or we could sit around and do analysis and case studies on how bad it was two years later. And it would be far better to get out front of it, take positive action and keep this whole thing going and not just lament uh, our lack of action down the road. Okay, so you mentioned the act, so we have to be clear what you're talking about there, and we are talking about yep. the restaurant, is it the restaurant or the restaurants act of 2020? Bobby, go to you. Talk to me about that. Uh, it's the restaurants, plural, act of 2020. Uh, there's there's one in the House and one in the Senate. Uh, in the Senate, it's bipartisan, uh, co-sponsored by Roger Wicker and Senator Catherine uh, Cinema. And then in that in the house, it's uh, Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick in uh, Pennsylvania, but led by what I like to refer to as the patron saint 
of restaurants, uh, Earl Blumenauer from uh, Oregon, Congressman Blumenauer. Yeah, and that's the Restaurants Act. And that's the Restaurants Act. So let's uh, ask people to take action right away by they can learn more about that. Uh, correct me, Bobby, but I believe it's save restaurants.com save restaurants.com is that accurate bobby so people can learn more yes it is okay so you want to go there everybody that's listening we're talking about the impact of this so um and i want to point this out and i'm i'm reading something here no single industry has suffered more job losses or longer closures due to the pandemic than our nation's restaurants and no one industry's survival would have as profound of an impact on our economy as independence restaurants would. So we're driving home the huge impact on this. But let me ask, ask a question. So, Bobby, there was the uh, the payment protection, the PPP, uh, the payroll protection program. Was that of any help to independent restaurants? And was that it, enough? It certainly was. It, it was, Marty. And there's a couple things to speak of. Uh, look, Congress worked tirelessly to get that out as quick as possible. But going back to what we said earlier, they didn't have 2020 vision. It, you know, 2020 as a year feels like a, a hundred years long. But back in March, <laughs> when we're working on this, they really thought we would be done with this by Easter, Mother's Day at the latest. So the PPP um, was great for a lot of businesses. It was good for some restaurants, but you have to look at how it was written at that time. It was an eight-week fix to an, maybe an 18-month problem. So if you're a, an, uh, let's say if you're a creative agency, you're a, a law office, you're a um, accounting firm, you got your PPP, uh, you were working from home, maybe you weren't as productive, but you were still working, and you had everything taken care of. Restaurants, they got their PPP, Let's use uh, Colorado, for example. You get, let's say if you got your PPP on the first tranche and you used the money like the spirit of the deal was, you were long gone with your money before you were ever able to open. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And then you reopen uh, with, in some buildings, because if you look at the... Uh, the restrictions, it's, it's really building by building different. You could be reopened at, at 30 to 40% last year's revenue with about 80% of the cost. Sure, you might not bring everyone back, but your, your rent was still the same, your electricity, all those things. And so it just, it didn't work for restaurants. We need an industry-specific bill because we have some specific needs that other people did not have to face. So, so Bobby and, and are you are operating at um, 25, 50% capacity. People were doing outdoor seating. People were doing delivery. People were doing uh, whatever you could do as creatively as possible. And winter is coming. And so again, I see that up to a little scare tactic here for everybody listening. Up to 85% of independent restaurants may close permanently if Congress doesn't pass a relief plan. Is this, um, Bobby, I'll stay with you for a second. Is this relief plan 
loans or is this grants? Tell me about that. They're grants that could, they're grants. Um, as long as you, you, there's a true up at the end of it. And let's say you, let's say, let, I'm going to use me as an example. I'm a positive thinking person. Let's say I got my grant, but holy moly, there was a vaccine and my team got us back closer to normal numbers in 2019, then I'd either have to pay that back or it would convert to a loan. But if things stay status quo, it would be a grant to get you through to the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's say if you were someone who was one of these rare oddities, um, like if you were a, a, a one-off a burger restaurant that had a drive-through and your numbers were the same or above, then you would not have that as a grant. You would have to either convert that to a loan or pay that back. But it's really meant for these industries. Look, technically our businesses were made illegal. We, 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 we did what we were supposed to do. We paid our, town, our, our city, our county, our state permits. We've signed our leases. We've, we've hired our staff. We've, we've been safe. But then all of a sudden, overnight, you're asked to close for three to four months. In New York, they still have an open brand room dining. There needs to be government assistance to say, whoa, look what these businesses had to do for society. Let's make sure they stay home. Hmm. So, Ari, I see here that uh, the Restaurants Act could reduce unemployment by up to 2.4%. That's uh, unemployment or unemployment is on the minds of a lot of people. Um, so bringing people back to work is um, is obviously important. And 2.4%, uh, that makes a big difference, right? Well, yeah, and it's not – uh, yes, absolutely. Uh You've seen the same things I have. I mean, there's a, it's not just the number. It's the impact that people uh, have in a positive way from working as part of a business that's healthy versus sitting at home, even if they're collecting an unemployment check. Although it may seem the same economically, the reality is that there's an emotional difference that goes with being part of a team and, and part of doing meaningful work that can't be made up for with uh, unemployment paid out later after the fact uh, that in a check that's just going to somebody's house. So it's it's not, again, just the money. It's also the emotional pieces of it. And then the 2.4, I'm going to suggest, doesn't count the unemployment that would be created by restaurants that are closing because there's places that are still open that are still employing but that are headed uh, as bobby said towards closing in the coming months if something doesn't happen and i mean this isn't about trying to create scare tactics uh it's really about uh the reality i mean this is just what's going on and all you have to do is read the news i mean there's people bobby and i know and I'm not talking about peripheral businesses. There's award-winning restaurants. These are upstanding citizens in their community. This is people who've worked 70, 80 hours or more a week for years to make their business go that are closing. And it's just the beginning if things don't get turned around. Yeah. Bobby, what what do you want? So we, this goes. this show goes to business people, but it goes to university professors. across goes across the board. So obviously you want um, uh, as many politicians as, as possible, congressmen, senators, et cetera, to support this Restaurants Act. Uh, what should we be asking 
um, everyday people like me who love my favorite restaurant? What should, should we be asking them to do? So I think the most important thing that uh, I just got off a call with our, our former governor, John Hickenlooper, who's running for Senate here in Colorado. And we had the same conversation. The best thing people can do is reach out to their congressmen, congresspeople, and senators and say, do something, period. I was on a call last week with a, uh, a congress, uh, a senator and a congressperson from not my state, but from another state. And they're like, oh, yes, we, we understand you need this bill, but there's too many Democrats that have signed on to it. Um, we're just going to wait. It looks too partisan. This is not a time for our senators and congresspeople to be partisan. That is not what their job is. Their job is to represent all of us, and we need them to get to work. And the, I think the best way for them to get to work is to hear it from everyone who eats in the restaurants. Yeah. So their job is to represent all of us. That's the last I heard. Yes, and what we need uh, the the diners and the the listeners to do is to reach out to their congressmen and senators and say, "Get to work, get this bill passed, let's, and then let's move on to the next task at hand." But to sit on something that's been released since June is is ridiculous. This is not how people should be leaders. Yeah, I I can't see where anybody would think this is a partisan uh, um, effort. Uh, I don't want to get on that soapbox. But um, so Ari, yep. uh, I'm going to ask you the same question. What, in addition to that, or is there an addition to that? We certainly want to influence our uh, congressmen, congresspeople, and and senators. Is there anything else that you would suggest that uh, plain Joes like me should be doing? Well, I, I think, I mean, there's there's two things. The, in terms of the Restaurants Act, it's absolutely uh, email and write to congresspeople, senators. Uh, it is easy to feel like it doesn't matter, but I guess one thing uh, that I've learned over the last five months of working on this is that it actually does matter, and that, that although it may seem like people are in government offices are ignoring you, they're not, and uh when the emails come in, it does make a difference. So in some cases, like our congressperson, Debbie Dingell, got on board co-sponsoring uh, Congressman Blumenauer's bill quickly. Uh, but still, I guarantee she wants to, she hears bad things from people. She's going to want to hear uh, over a quick email that that they that the, her work is appreciated. Uh, same here in Michigan for our senators, Peters and Stabenow, and I know uh, others around the country. There are also other congresspeople and senators who are not on board with the bill yet, and I don't know them, so I can't say if they're actually opposed or they just haven't gotten on board. But uh, as somebody said early on in this conversation, there's not a senator or congressperson in the country that doesn't have restaurants in their district, and there's not a single one that doesn't go out to eat. So this is literally bipartisan. Uh, there are uh, people of all political stripes who own restaurants. There's people of all political stripes who work in restaurants. And there's people of all political stripes who eat in restaurants. And uh, in, a, in a really kind of amazing way, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's dreaming, but perhaps this is an issue that people can come together and coalesce around and focus on community building in a, in a really positive <clears throat> and lasting way that can help everybody. 
Yeah, community building. That's a key phrase right there. And then, again, looking at notes that, uh, that I, I've uh, prepared for this interview, it says that this would generate $270 billion to the economy, more than double the amount of the proposed grant. So there is a set amount for the proposed grants, and it looks like, and uh, pretty much a sure thing, that this would, would double its value. In other words, there's a good ROI on these grants. Am I right in saying that, Bobby? 100%. I mean, this is, look, I didn't go to MIT, but this is pretty simple math. <laughs> this is a lever that you can put, that Congress and Senate can pull, that it's not just giving money away. It is truly in the essence of what a stimulization package should do. And it, it, the math works out very well. Yeah. So I'm going to beseech everyone that's listening to this, uh, save your local restaurant, save your favorite restaurant, do something about this. Do as Ari and Bobby are suggesting, contact your congresspeople and your senators and uh, go to saverestaurants.com. You can learn more about what the efforts are. We need to do this quickly. So uh, that's why we're um, doing this now so that we can do all we can on the Business Polar Show to support this effort, um, because again, I'll say it that I certainly have my favorite places that I want to go, who I haven't been able to go to, and I want to support them because I know, as Ari has said, and both of you have said, that the impact on restaurants and our communities is just so significant, so important to our lifestyles and to our overall happiness, quite frankly, if I sound a little corny. So, um, Bobby, I'll start with you. Anything that we missed that we want to make sure that people know, and then we'll go to Ari. You know, I think one thing we didn't talk about, but I think it's an interesting talking point, is the job. We've talked about the, the, the massive number of jobs, you know, 15 times the size of the airline industry. But it's also a different type of job. It's a job that catches so many people in the United States. If you're new to the country and learning the language, we're there for you. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to go to college, you can still have a great job in our industry. If you uh, made a mistake when you were 18, 19 years old and, and got a felony, you still can work in the restaurant business. It's really not just the massive amount of jobs, but they are jobs that support all walks of life fully about inclusion. And, that, and that's really important to talk about because that makes those numbers even more powerful. Hmm. I love that. Great, great insight, Bobby. Ari, what didn't we talk about that you want to cover before we close? Well, I, I just wouldn't want to uh, forget that even for people who went to college, like me, it's still a good job. <laughs> and I, I got my degree and then I got a job as a dishwasher. So, uh, <laughs> didn't make my mother too happy, but in the long run, I guess it worked out. But but I, I guess I would just add uh, a couple things. One, we haven't really stressed it, but the bill is just to support independent restaurants. This is not for chains. It's not for publicly traded. I'm not saying they don't have problems also, but the focus here is on locally owned independent restaurants where people are in the community, working in the community, living in the community, their kids are in the schools in the community, uh, and and I, I, I'm not trying to cut down bigger organizations around the country, but the money, as we talked about, that would come through in this is going to go literally out the back door. Bobby said 94 cents, but the truth is that's optimistic. Right now it might be 100 
cents out of every dollar is going out to backdoor to employees, to vendors, uh, et cetera. And the reality is most of these businesses and restaurants are very community minded and we're losing money in a lot of our businesses, but we're still making donations because people's commitment to it. And I, I guess the last thing I would just say is that I, I know over the years, and I, I'm not one of them, but there's a lot of people who will say that people are looking for handouts and free rides. And I, I got to say, there is no one in the restaurant business that's getting a, has gotten a free ride. And that the people this would support are people who, I'm not joking, it's a norm to be working 50, 60, 80 hours a week. We've been doing it for years. Most of us love it. Uh, but this is not about sending money to some anonymous corporate headquarters in, in the Virgin Islands or something. This is money that's going to a local business to support local people uh, who are out there busting their butts to try to support their families and, and keep things going. So. So we are talking about the Restaurants Act of 2020. You can learn more at saverestaurants.com. And I do want to at least give Ari and Bobby a little shout out by saying uh, Bobby's organization, you can find his website at frescafoodandwine.com, F-R-E-S-C-A, frescafoodandwine.com. And I would suggest you learn more about Ari at zingermanscommunity.com, zingermanscommunity.com. So Ari and Bobby, thank you so much for what you're doing for your communities and for your industry. Thanks for being part of the Business Builder Show. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.